The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to season three of Students of Mind, the podcast that's all about opening up and normalizing discussions about mental health in ways that anyone can comprehend. In the first two seasons, we sat down with mental health experts and survivors to give you a full circle picture of each topic. In this new season, we will continue to explore the world of mental health through the insights of experts, healers, and individuals with lived experience. From alternative healing modalities to living with multiple illnesses, this season we will cover a wide range of topics with the help of a diverse selection of guests. My name is Jade, and today we will be exploring eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, or EMDR, with the help of therapist Rochelle Hoffler and educational content creator Jael Kurdikas. I hope by listening to the show, you're able to learn something new and gain some encouragement through hearing our experts and listening to the journeys of our guests. However, this show is not a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have about your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Students of Mind podcast. Today's first discussion is with Rochelle Hoffler. Rochelle is an adult psychotherapist and certified EMDR therapist. In her practice, she assists clients on their journey back to living their life with improved perspective and adaptive coping skills. In our discussion, Rochelle gives us the rundown on what 
eye movement desensitization and reprocessing or EMDR therapy is. Well, welcome, Rochelle. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. EMDR is such an interesting modality to me, so I'm excited to get into it with you. But before we start, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Sure. Um, I am in private practice. I have a fully remote practice. I used to have an office prior to the pandemic, um, but once that happened, I closed my office and went fully remote. Um, I see adults, um, anybody from the age of 18 to 118, <laughs> um, uh, that have anxiety, depression, uh, PTSD, grief and loss, um, and I use EMDR to, to treat um, those issues. Yeah, I, um, I've been a social worker for 27 years. Um, I've worked in child welfare. I've worked um, in hospitals, uh, uh, both acute and psychiatric. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Great. Slowing yeah. everything down now for private practice. <laughs> yeah. What, what pro well, was it the pandemic that prompted you to kind of hone in and focus on the private practice? You know, private practice has always been my goal from the time I was an undergrad. I wanted to do this, but it, it, it licensure to get an independent um, license was tricky there for a while in Texas. Um, so you had to have a job that was clinical enough in the eyes of, you know, the board. So it, it, it was kind of hit or miss for a while. And then finally, I the timing was right. I was able to get the license I needed. And yeah, private practice was always, always the goal. Great. Well, I'm so glad that you're able to do that now. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. The telehealth part was pandemic, though. Like, I never thought I would be doing a fully telehealth practice. I always thought, well, I'm going to have an office because people need a space. I was offering telehealth in 2018 um, for people who didn't have access to a therapist close by them. And, you know, I accepted insurance. So it kind of made it easier for people to access. So I've been doing telehealth for a while, but not complete telehealth. This is pandemic related. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, what got you into working with and getting trained in EMDR? Well, um, I wanted to have a specialty to offer um, in my private practice. Um, in my work in child welfare, I saw how child abuse could impact a person all the way into adulthood. And so I knew I wanted to do something that could address those issues and try to heal those issues um, in my practice. But uh, yeah, and the more I learned about EMDR, how fast it was, how effective it was, I mean, yeah, I'm I became a convert. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's get into it. So can you tell us um, like what EMDR is, some of the like history behind it and how long it's been around? EMDR is an effective, it is um, an efficient way to treat trauma and other distressing events. So people sometimes think that trauma is just people who've survived 
you know, an assault or a crime or war or, you know, first responder type stuff. But trauma can be anything. Um, it can be something as simple as, you know, um, you might have had a speech impediment growing up and people laughing at you, having the experience of people laughing at you when you talk. And that can be a traumatic event for you because you develop negative thoughts about yourself as a result of what happened to you. Those negative thoughts are often not adaptive um, and they probably are not serving you, you know, many, many years later. Um, and so EMDR invites clients to take little short looks at those distressing events. I'm going to call them distressing events because trauma people, again, um, <laughs> but the distressing events invites them to look at it in little short snippets that are controlled and um, also using bilateral stimulation. So bilateral stimulation can be the eye movements where we invite people to follow their eyes, have their eyes follow our fingers, or um, we have tappers that are like buzzers that you can use for in-person sessions. Um, but since I've been fully remote, I've been using butterfly tapping and that's where people tap in this way um, while they're thinking about the distressing event. Yeah. And also um, identifying the worst belief that they have about themselves as a result of what happened to them and having them identify something that they would rather believe about themselves instead. In doing this, it allows the brain to engage its own healing system. Um, your brain has its own natural way of processing distress. However, if there is significant stress happening, that process gets interrupted. So EMDR just encourages that process to happen again. Um, and the behaviors and the emotions and you know other things associated with the memory change as a result of allowing the brain to go through its natural process. EMDR facilitates okay. that basically. Okay, yeah? very interesting. Yeah. So can you talk about um, like how it, how it works, like what, if I were to come into a session for EMDR, what would I experience? Well, um, it would depend on what you were presenting with. Um, if you knew something was wrong, but you weren't exactly sure what it was, you know, I'm going to do an extensive psychosocial history to see kind of where some of this is coming from for you, whatever um, issue it is that you're having. It's connected to something in the past. It's connected to a negative belief that you have about yourself that happened in the past. Um, you know, we go in and identify the worst picture associated with what happened to you. Um, we will um, identify uh, the, the negative belief you have about yourself as a result of what happened. We'll identify a positive belief that you would rather have about yourself instead as a result of what happened to you. Um, we'll also do some resourcing, you know, some things to kind of help you change your state of mind because, you know, EMDR uh, sessions can be really intense and um, you need to be able to shift your state of mind at the end of it. We wanna make sure you're able to do that um, comfortably before we really get into it. 
Yeah, so we'll do safe calm place. We do light stream, lots of visualization kind of activities. Some people might have difficulty with visualization activities, and so we'll do breathing activities instead. Um, just kind of whatever the client needs. Now, if you come in and you've recently experienced a trauma, say within like the last three months, and you can't eat, you can't sleep, like there's significant disruption in your life as a result of some really, you know, distressing event that's happened to you, then, you know, that process moves a little bit faster. It looks a little bit different. You know, we have different protocols that we can use to relieve the distress because we want to get you out of that as soon as we can. Yeah, typically you're not going to go in first session when you meet with somebody and just jump right into, you know, EMDR, bilateral stimulation and trying to reprocess. That doesn't generally happen first time. Yeah. Okay. That's, that sounds like the best case scenario. I mean, like the best thing to happen, because as you said, this work is, it can get intense. So I love the idea of like preparing for the experience mm -hmm. um you talked a little bit about the uh bilateral aspect of emdr can you talk more about that and and what that does so what it does um it is believed to do um because there's still so much we don't know about the brain um and so what it is believed to do is signal comfort. It facilitates communication between the parts of your brain that are responsible for alarm, for learning, and for your behavior. The bilateral stimulation gets that communication going again while you're thinking about the memory mm -hmm. and signals comfort, you know, that feels comfortable yeah. to have that, you know, mm -hmm. sensation on your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I, I've done um, a little bit of like tapping work and I, we do like I, with my therapist, I do the butterfly tapping when I get overwhelmed or like we get to a topic and she can physically see that I'm getting overwhelmed and that helps a lot. Mm. Um, do you do visualization can, with it also? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do a lot of visualization with her. That's something that's like an anchor for me when I start feeling too activated Excellent. Yeah. 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 Um, I kind of skipped past this, but um, I, I kind of want to uh, ask you for like a, a definition of EMDR, because uh, I think we've been mostly just saying EMDR. Right. Yeah. I have <laughs> um, the acronym. My apologies. Yeah. No, no, no. It's all good. That, mm -hmm. That's my fault. I, I really want to make sure the listeners have an understanding. So so what does EMDR mean? Sure. So EMDR is an acronym for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. So the eye movements are, you know, kind of what we were talking about. And it also, the bilateral stimulation is desensitizing the memory, right, as we're talking about it. You're reprocessing the memory to be something more adaptive. Yeah. Okay, great. And so you talked a little bit about this, but uh, primarily, who is EMDR recommended for? Anyone. Mm. Anyone. Um, it's really about the therapist you choose um, because, you know, not all of us specialize in working with everyone, right? So if you have someone who has an autism spectrum disorder, you want to see a therapist who specializes in working with people who have autism spectrum disorder. 
And they, if they are trained in EMDR, they can, yeah, they can use that with that client population. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can work for anyone. It really can. So I know you say anyone. Um, is it generally more so for people who have experienced trauma? Um, or does it, can it help people who have even not gone through a trauma? Well, I am of the belief that uh, <laughs> none of us have made it out of this life without a trauma. Trauma, you know. Yeah. Um, and whether you identify it as such, again, that's that's up to the person who's experienced it. However, it can have, it can cause impairment in your life. Whatever has happened to you that you think, oh well, nothing has happened. I'm fine. I had a great childhood. Well, you know, there could be something there that is impacting how you're showing up in your relationships now, how you're showing up at work now. Um, and I would, as a therapist, probably identify that as a trauma, you know, but people don't generally. Yeah. The public doesn't because they think trauma is someone who has survived war or, you know, a crime victim or, you know, something like that. And it's not that it's it's the it, it can be a child who overcame a speech impediment. And now they're an adult and they're afraid to speak in front of people because they're afraid they're going to have the speech impediment again. And, you know, it, it can be something as simple as that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I like that you mentioned that. I think, like you're saying, people think tr trauma has to be these big, huge events when that's not the case. Like there's attachment trauma, which people don't talk about. Um, uh -huh. so yeah, I'm really glad that you're, you're mentioning that. Yeah. EMDR is great for attachment trauma as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. So if someone who's listening thinks that EMDR may be something that they want to try, where should they start? Um, the best place to start is on the EMDR International Association's website. Um, and that is, um, EMDRIA dot org. Um, there's a listing of therapists there who are trained in EMDR, but not just trained. A lot of them are certified in EMDR or they are consultants um, like me. I am also an EMDR consultant. I provide consultation for therapists who are trying to sharpen their EMDR skills. Um, so a whole array of expertise um, on that site and information about EMDR. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Yeah, I think that'll be helpful, especially since you um, you said it's it can because I was under the impression it was like only for a certain group of people. But hearing that it can be beneficial for anyone is is really, anyone. really great. Anyone. Yeah, anyone. And it's really, really great for kids um, because, you know, the younger you are, the less lived experience you have, and there aren't as many negative experiences potentially attached to the distressing event. So the, the processing can go faster. Yeah. I mean, you can start to see a difference in relief in like six sessions in some cases. Wow. Yeah. That's, it's really, really fast. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, great. Um, so are, are there any like misconceptions about EMDR that you come across in your work? A lot of people think it's hypnosis. Mm. Um, it is not. And so I always try to 
clear that up before I talk to anybody about EMDR. Um, because with hypnosis, you may or may not be fully aware of what's going on. With EMDR, you are fully in control. You have you can stop it whenever you want. I always remind my clients, hey, at the beginning of the session, if you feel like you need to stop, hold your hand up and do this. And I will stop and we'll stabilize and and you know kind of get you back to baseline. Um, but yeah, you have complete control. And even how much you share, you don't even have to talk that much, you know? Um, you can, you know, just share pictures, snippets of pictures, and it can change for you. In some cases, it's just a lot of somatic memory that that your body might be holding on to. And you're just noticing body sensations as they come up. So not a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. But the client is fully in control and the therapist is there holding space for them, making sure they're, you know, within their window of tolerance for discomfort. Nice. Okay. So this, this has been great. I think you've given so much information in such a short amount of time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, I do want to ask you uh, the signature question for this season. Um, I really want to put an emphasis on self-care this season. And so my question for you is, what is one thing that you do to maintain mental wellness? I dance. <laughs> wow. I yeah. Love that. Yeah, I dance. I dance West Coast Swing. Um, there's a regional dance here called Swing Out that I dance. It's a partner dance. It's lead follow. I do that. Yeah. Takes you That's... away completely. <laughs> That's so amazing. And mm-hmm. like, I imagine that your schedule is pretty busy. So I'm, it's great that you're able to find time for dance amongst all the things that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important. Self-care is part of my job. I can't, I can't serve my clients if my cup is not full. I, I can't pour into other people if I don't take care of myself and have something to pour into them. Great. Well, um, I want to give you a chance. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or see the work that you're doing, how can people do that? Well, um, my website is rhlcsw.com. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of, I don't have social media too much. So that's <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's this, this social media is like this wide, wide world that I have not quite dipped my toe into yet. But um, my website is the best way to reach me. Okay, great. Thank you so much for coming on the show and giving all of this information. I think this will be, I don't think many people outside of the mental health world know a lot about EMDR. So I'm excited to. It's growing. It's growing. It's I'm, I'm hearing oh. it more and more often. And, uh, Prince Harry had it. Um, Sandra Bullock did it. Um, wow. Yvonne Orji um, on her recent um, HBO special was talking about doing EMDR. So it's oh. slowly getting out there a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm excited to share this conversation with people. So thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. 
earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's second guest is Jael Cortecas. Jael is an educational sciences student based in the Netherlands. After having her own experiences with her mental health and the stress of academia, and her time so far as an educational sciences student, Jael began a YouTube channel where she shares her knowledge on study tips, planning, organization, and mental health. In today's discussion, Jael shares with us her experience with receiving EMDR therapy for her gifted child trauma. Welcome, Jael. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. <laughs> Of course. Um, before we get into the discussion for today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Yeah, so uh, my name is Chael, Chael Kortkaas, and I'm currently mainly uh, still a student in the Netherlands. I study uh, educational sciences at the University of Utrecht, so that's in the center of the Netherlands. Um, and next to my studies, I also have a YouTube channel called Life to Learning, where I share study tips and my own personal experience with university and mental health and studying. That's so cool. Um, I was actually just looking at your YouTube channel um, <laughs> and there's so much great content on there. And thank you. <laughs> uh, j- just, yeah, just the first question, I guess, like what inspired you to start posting on YouTube? Um, well, so I said I study educational sciences, and I noticed that I enjoyed a lot of the study to self-help uh, content on YouTube myself. But I also noticed that uh, a lot of people on YouTube talking about these topics don't actually have any um, academic backgrounds in those uh, areas. So a lot of people that talk uh, about studying, talk about studying from their perspective as being a student themselves. And of course, that is also super interesting and a great perspective to have. But I thought that as a student myself, but also studying educational sciences, so studying the science of learning, I uh, had something to contribute to that. That's really cool. I love that. So let's get into it. So today we're going to talk about EMDR. Um, and I just want to like get into like your journey with EMDR. So my first question is just about like your background 
in terms of your mental health journey. So can you give us a kind of like overview of your mental health journey throughout your lifetime so far? Yes, definitely. So um, I remember when I was like a younger teenager, I had a lot of anxiety, specifically social anxiety. So I remember uh, when I was, yeah, quite young, I think 13 years old or something, uh, for the first time I went to like a mental health coach for a few sessions, uh, just to have someone to discuss this with. I don't remember a lot of that because of course it's already been a while ago. And yeah, like I, I noticed that my whole life, it, it's kind of been up and down. Like I have periods where I have very little symptoms, uh, but sometimes my anxiety symptoms uh, get a lot worse. Um, sometimes due to, uh, you know, just having a really busy time at school, uh, certain events that happen. Um, but yeah, it's always been a bit up and down, uh, but mostly quite manageable. Um, but then when I was, I think, 18, so this was just after I graduated high school here in the Netherlands, um, I went on holidays to Greece with my parents. And that was the first time that I had very severe, um, like, anxiety to the point where I was scared to leave the house uh, because I couldn't even really tell people what I was scared of, just every bad thing that could happen ever. Um, yeah, it terrified me to the point that I was, I, I mean, I wasn't greased. I had, you know, all the opportunity to enjoy such a beautiful place. And I sat inside for most of it because I just couldn't go outside. So that was the first time that I um, went to a psychologist. Uh, to talk about my anxiety and then we did um, cognitive behavioral therapy I think and then after a while of doing that I felt better and in the Netherlands our system is that depending on the severity of your symptoms you get a number of appointments uh, so yeah I went to the allocated appointments and then uh, that, that was it basically but I was fine again um, and then when I graduated my bachelor's, I started a master's program, a different master's program than I'm doing now, and I hated it. But I also felt extremely stressed about it. So I first did, uh, again, a session at a psychologist aimed at uh, generalized anxiety disorder uh, to, uh, yeah, kind of helped me deal with just feeling so stressed about uh, my master's. Um, and yeah, again, it's like, I'm pretty responsive to treatments, I feel. So I, I'm very happy with that, uh, that I'm a person that responds well to, to treatment. Um, but then, uh, yeah, at some point, I also dropped out of that program because it was just really not for me. And then I had a period of time where I wasn't studying. I sort of had a gap three months uh, where I could sort of reflect on, um, yeah, just my life and my relationship with, with stress, anxiety, school. And I realized that there was something extremely toxic about how stressed I was in a program that I didn't even care about. Because I ended up dropping out, not because of the stress, but because it was just really not for me. 
and I, I realized like there is something there like for some reason I I feel like I always have to perform even in in instances where I I don't even care about performing like if, if I'm really really genuinely not interested in what I'm doing then why would I care about performing well but I did um and in this time I was also a lot on TikTok and this was around the time that like the hashtag gifted kid burnout uh was very trending on, on TikTok of course the best mental health resource there is <laughs> but uh yeah I guess I guess it did open my eyes to a few things because I did grow up uh labeled as a gifted kid but I was never officially tested for it so um the way my school went about it was that I could sort of get the gifted kid treatment, if you want to call it that, um, as long as I kept up my grades, um, which now is considered probably the number one rule for how to not deal with gifted kids. But back when I was in, in primary school, uh, people just didn't know anything about how to, uh, yeah, how to support gifted kids and their needs uh in a in a way that that helps and also ensures uh that yeah that that these kids remain mentally healthy also on the long uh, term um so then i started looking specifically for a therapist that specialized in uh treatment for uh, both gifted children but also adults who grew up gifted or i mean I guess giftedness is something that stays, but it's most, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think, mostly taken into account while you were a kid. But she also uh, looked at how giftedness uh, can still impact you as an adult, either just currently in your job, but also, uh, yeah, your experience growing up gifted. Um, and that uh, therapist uh, did that using EMDR. So that is how I, uh, for the first time, was introduced to EMDR and I did a treatment there and it was really helpful. Uh, so I made a YouTube video about it. Uh, and that was also why I was very enthusiastic to speak on this topic uh, on your podcast. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You're it sounds like you had um, a lot of pressure in school. Um, and I know that that can be really tough on a kid so it, to me like yeah it it makes sense that things kind of resulted in the way they were because of how much pressure like oh my goodness you had to keep up those grades in order to be able to get the treatment that you needed that's so much pressure feeling for <laughs> that younger version of you oh my goodness yeah i think for a really long time i sort of like put it away as oh my god like People go through worse things, you know, like the, the meme of Kim Kardashian about her dying theory of people are dying. Uh, that was uh, how I first really thought about it. But also during uh, this uh, EMDR, uh, these EMDR sessions with my therapist, uh, I also really started to understand like, yeah, okay, worse things might happen. But the fact that worse things happen do not mean that that this isn't also really bad and this isn't something that can can impact you on the long term because especially when you're young you're you're so vulnerable and 
you you have to rely so much on yeah hoping that the people around you will do what's best for you but then to figure out that what they did actually yeah really induced a lot of toxic thought patterns uh, and really understanding the severity of that uh, was something that yeah I, I was also kind of shocked by but now yeah I really understand and I also feel comfortable acknowledging that that was really tough uh, and that was something that very seriously impacted me uh, and I was very happy that my therapist also made me feel like very validated uh, in that. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts of therapy is the validation and the like reflecting back to you that it's like okay to be feeling what you're feeling. So I'm glad that you were able to <laughs> find a good therapist to work with you with this. Um, yes, definitely. So let's go into um, EMDR. Um, so what was the experience of receiving EMDR like? How were you like prepared for it? what were the actual sessions like? And then like, what did you do after to kind of like integrate the experience? Yeah, so um, I think how uh, my therapist was uh, doing it, just trying to think back on, on how the sessions actually looked like, was that uh, at our intake, she uh, asked me to think of a number of memories that I had uh, either like pretty recent or from childhood that um, I felt a lot of emotion. Uh, you know, like when I think thought about them that that induced a lot of like feelings in me. Um, and at first I was like, well, <laughs> feelings, that sounds dramatic. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I really thought I was not a feeling person. Turn out I'm, I'm a very emotional person. I just didn't know how to handle it. <laughs> Yeah, at some point, you know, preparing uh, for the next meeting, uh, I sat down and I was just like, what, what emotional memories can I think of that, uh, yeah, that, that could be of help uh, in this, like, mental health question uh, that I had. But then <laughs> it was very surprising that very quickly I could think of a number of very specific memories back from when it was like, six, seven, eight years old, probably, uh, that apparently were so vivid that it indeed, like I could think back about them and still feel like very scared or frustrated or angry about it. Um, and then, yeah, so she asked me to make a list of those. And then, uh, yeah, on our second session, um, she asked me to judge um, sort of how salient these emotions were when I thought about them. And then, uh, yeah, because this was not uh, about super heavy traumatic, it's, yeah, like I always find it a bit hard to explain, but I guess the big T trauma versus little T trauma, like I was very happy to not have experienced any really severe, big traumatic events in my life. And that it was more these sort of implicit messages I was sent through different experiences that I had in school, maybe. Um, so I think we just started with the one that I rated the highest. I don't even remember now which one it was. Uh, yeah, then during a session, what my therapist would do is she would have me think about uh, this 
memory and really try to lean into the emotion that came with it. And then once I told her, like, yeah, I, I think I, I really have sort of indulged myself in this memory. Um, then she would start with the eye movements because EMDR uh, is all about eye movements. So she would uh, she would do it with just corners in a room. I know that there are some some people do it with like their finger going back and forth, and sometimes it's like a, a light bar. Uh, but my therapist just did it with corners of the room, having to watch back and forth. And then she would also give me these uh, sort of weird assignments to occupy occupy your brain even more. And I think that had to do with both the fact that she was treating mainly gifted people, but also with the fact that these were um, less emotionally loaded uh, memories than would traditionally be used in like PTS as uh, EMDR treatments. Uh, because yeah, basically the idea behind EMDR is that uh, you, you force emotion to become smaller, but if the emotion is really big, then if you overload everything all at once, uh, I guess that that would be too much. She never really explained it to me, but I think that's the reasoning for it. Um, but yeah, because I could handle quite a lot of inputs just from the way my brain works, like I'm, I'm a pretty fast thinker, so it's not super like I'm not super easily overwhelmed, but the goal is to overwhelm you. But overwhelm you in the right way um so she had me say like uh the alphabet backwards or tap rhythms with my hands or uh name animals starting with every letter of the alphabet uh just kind of silly things um while still sort of trying to hold this memory in my head and every time uh, we would do it in like small bits. So I think I would spend like two, three minutes doing uh, these sort of exercises. And then every time she would stop and say like, okay, so try to really fully recall the memory. Like how much emotion do you feel attached to this now? And it's a really strange experience because you feel it getting less. Like with every time you do it, you really feel the emotion lessening and it almost feels a bit scary in a way that it's so easy to sort of like erase emotion from a memory that you have but i also really remember that in the end i always felt really light and also really calm in my head like i'm usually someone that has thoughts racing 24 7. um but then she would ask me like, oh yeah, so how are you, are you having any specific thoughts or feelings? And I would just really come up empty and be like, no, I'm, I'm kind of at peace right now and there's not that much going on, uh, which is a really strange experience, but also a pleasant experience. Yeah, that's really cool. You, you did such a good job of like explaining that because I feel like this type of therapy can be like hard to kind of comprehend, um, especially if you're not doing it yourself. Yeah. But you did like such a great job of like showing what it looks like and 
I love that piece of like you felt just kind of like at peace in, in your brain afterwards. I think like my next question was like, did it help and, and how did it help? And like, that's one of the ways that it's so interesting that it like showed results so quickly. Yeah. yeah and I think that's also something that makes it, uh, it makes it easier, at least for me to also be more engaged in the, the treatment process, I guess, because yeah, I guess the same way that it works when you go to the gym and you see results, then it makes you really motivated to do more. Um, and I feel like it worked the same way. Like it, it was, um, it was also a very positive experience, like reflect back on things and like really, yeah, like mentally engaged just, yeah, like after the treatment or in between treatments with what you were doing because you felt like it was really doing something. Um, how many treatments did you do, if you remember? I think I did eight sessions. Okay. Yeah, I think around eight. Okay. And yeah, can you talk more about like um, the improvements or changes that you noticed after the treatments? Yeah, so I really felt like um, yeah, like whenever I, I thought about school or having to do an assignment that I I just really felt like the, the emotional stress and sort of like the panic that I could sometimes feel uh, around, you know, having to do assignments, exams, uh, that really dissipated a lot. So yeah again it's really strange to to describe because it's like okay but like feelings don't suddenly disappear but they kind of kind of do <laughs> in a weird way yeah the, the the fear and the panic is just lighter so i mean i i still get stressed if like i've been working on an assignment and it has to be handed in two hours from now and uh yeah like it's not finished yet or it's not really good like it's not that I'm completely not stressed ever anymore but I, I think there's a lot of weight taken off of it so I can get stressed without immediately feeling really anxious panicked uh yeah having this idea that oh no if I'm going to get a bad grade on this then no one will ever hire me and I will end up without a job, not being able to afford living anywhere. Like I, I would really like my thought process usually would really go from, oh, uh, I might not hand in a great paper to uh, I will never be OK again. <laughs> um, and yeah, for some reason that that thought pattern also got interrupted. So, yeah, now I'm just like, oh, yeah might not get a great grade on this that would suck a bit and and it doesn't set up this whole downward spiral trail of thought that uh makes it the biggest disaster in the world that it could ever be that's really great to hear and yeah i'm so glad you're able to like get that space because uh, i can definitely relate to the like I definitely 
get very emotional and this is because of the school environment I was in but I get emotionally attached to the work that I do so I mm. get like oh my goodness if I get a bad grade or if this person doesn't like the work that I'm doing then oh my god all of these things are going to happen so I'm so glad that this treatment helps you with those thoughts yeah um, definitely. yeah um so I have one last question and this is something that I ask all of my guests um this season I want to put an emphasis on self-care um because it's so important so my question for you is what is one thing you do each day to maintain mental wellness I think just keeping time free um just just making sure that my day isn't planned fully from nine in the morning to 10 in the evening. Uh, but just making sure that I have one, two hours free that can serve as, you know, just if I don't finish in time, I have some extra space to finish. Um, I have some time to just take a break and do nothing or watch a show, um, you know, like do anything that would relax me. Just think or write something down or plan a bit, just just having this empty space that is not necessarily meant for anything, but just for whatever I kind of feel like I need that thing, that has been really helpful. Great. Yeah, I love that answer. I think that's the same for me, like a time to just be still or like rest amongst all of the other things I have to do in the day is like key for me to stay well. Yeah, it's really, really yeah. important. Mm-hmm. All right. So as we wrap up, um, what are some ways that myself and my audience can stay up to date with you and the work that you do? Uh, yeah. So uh, my main channel, uh, uh, sort of channel of reaching out to people is uh, my YouTube. Uh, it's called A Life of Learning. Um, so yeah, definitely, if you want to see more from me, if you also want to see uh, not only mental health content, but also study content, organization content, uh, then definitely make sure to check out my YouTube channel. And you can also always reach out to me by email on info at lifeoflearning.org. Great. Thank you so, so much for being here today. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Of course. Yeah, I love I, I think this was such a unique perspective. Um, so I'm really glad we had this conversation. And thank you for being so open and honest and sharing your story. No problem at all. No, I'm very <laughs> happy to talk about this. Uh, and yeah, again, if uh, anyone is watching this and would like to reach out, you can always uh, shoot me an email and uh, I will respond. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Students of Mind. I want to give a huge thank you to Rochelle and Jael for being on the show and sharing their knowledge and insight. To get in touch with or learn more about both of their work, all of their links will be in the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to follow the Students of Mind team, our links are in the description as well. If you have a moment, please leave a rating and review for the show. This helps me know if these episodes are landing for you and gets all of this information into more ears. You can leave a review by scrolling to the bottom of the Apple or Spotify podcast show page 
or by using an app like Podchaser. Thank you so much again for listening. I hope you learned something new or resonated with something you heard today, and I will see you next episode. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of A Guided Life Podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.